0: Shabbat Shalom. shalom. Hey, thank you all of you who are praying for uh, our safety on the trip. Back safe and sound. A little weathered, but uh, back. So thank you for that. The Torah portion this Shabbat, Numbers chapters 16 through 18, is called Korach. It's named after the leader of an infamous rebellion against Moses and Aaron, one which ended catastrophically. This is now the third challenge to Moses' leadership, Would you like to be in his sandals. The first was from his own siblings, Aaron and Miriam. They decided to cop an attitude about the fact that he had married an Ethiopian woman. The second was the evil report of the 10 spies and their accusation that Moses had brought them into the desert just so that they could die. Each rebellion ended in disaster, but Korach is an especially grievous parasha. But it's important for us to have this. It's vital that we never forget how prone we ourselves are to sin and rebellion. Korach, a Levite, along with Datan and Aviram and On, assembled 250 machers, 250 leading men, and challenged Moses and Aaron for leadership. They accused Moses of exalting himself and claimed that all Israelis are holy and all Israelis should be allowed to be priests. Ironically, Moses never wanted the job in the first place. Remember, he asked God to send somebody else. And at this point, he's over 80 years old. Who, at that stage of life, wants the burden of leading a nation of kvetchers? Personally, I'd rather be sipping an Arnold Palmer somewhere in Myrtle Beach. Now, the pretext for the rebellion was the execution of a Sabbath breaker. Korach said to Moses, you've gone far enough. And wanted everyone to think that he was indignant over the execution and really just seeking equal spiritual opportunity for all Israelis. He made himself, Korah made himself out to be a man of the people. Perhaps he'd been building up resentment about the exclusive appointment of the Kohanim, the priests, he not being from the family of Aaron. What is certain is that he rejected Moses' leadership. It's tantamount to rebellion against God because it was God who commissioned Moses. Do you really suppose, let me ask you, do you really suppose that Korah assembled 250 of the most influential men in the nation that quickly? I mean, think about it. It takes time to build a coalition. I suspect he had been rallying others secretly for some time. All along working the phones as it were. Getting them ready to act on his signal at an opportune time. I think Korach had long resented Moses's position and this was nothing other than raw personal political ambition. Masquerading as spirituality. Jude 11 through 16 seems to confirm Korach's wicked intentions. In actuality, Korach was imitating Satan. Hasatan, the evil one, who in eternity past gathered his own following to launch a heavenly coup d'etat. So Moses tells Korach and company, Tomorrow morning, Adonai will show who is his and who is holy and who he chooses to bring near to himself, instructing them to come with fire pans and incense to the tent of meeting. In essence, Moses said to Korah, your contention, your thesis that every Israeli can offer incense to the Lord, why don't we just put that to the test? Are you ready to stake your life on it? Remember, under pain of death, according to the Torah, only Kohanim were authorized to offer incense before Adonai. Korach was from the tribe of Levi, but he was not a priest. So the next morning, Korach and the others showed up with their censers. But Datan and Aviram, two of the guys who were in cahoots with him, they refused to come out. They refused the summons. The 250 men lit their censers and put incense on it. So they lit their fires. And what happened next was terrifying. God sent forth some fire of his own and slew them. God instructed Moses to warn the entire congregation to back away from the tents of Korach, Datan, and Aviram. Moses declared, if these men and their families die a natural death, then you'll know that God didn't send me. But if Adonai brings about an entirely new thing, and the ground opens and swallows them up, and they descend alive into Sheol, then you will understand that these men have spurned God. At that instant, at that instant, the earth split open beneath the tents of those three. Not just anywhere, but under the tents of those three. And they and their families plunged into the earth and it immediately closed back up. The people were terrified, but fear quickly turned to hostility. The next day, a mob rose up against Moses and Aaron, blaming them for the deaths. Adonai appeared, warning Moses and Aaron to move away from the people. And what did Moses do? Instead, Moses, rather than backing away, put himself squarely between Adonai and the people. He interceded for Israel, instructing Aaron to light incense and atone for the people. But by that time, over 14,000 people, this is how big that mob was, over 14,000 people were struck with a plague and died. Moses and Aaron's intercession appeased God's wrath and Israel was spared. In chapter 17, God commanded that one leader from each of the tribes bring a rod with their name inscribed on it, etched on it, and come out to the tent of meeting. Aaron's name was etched on the rod belonging to the tribe of Levi. The rods were deposited in the tent and God said the rod of the man I choose will sprout. Remember this is a cut branch. Cut branches die. They don't grow. The next day when the twelve rods were brought back out, Aaron's rod had sprouted and not just leaves but buds Blossoms and ripe almonds. This, eating almonds should never be the same for you. <laughs> this miracle established explicitly God's choice of Aaron's family, his family line as priests. That rod was later placed in the Ark of the Covenant as a perpetual reminder to the nation. In chapter 18, Adonai reiterated the responsibilities of the Levites and of the priests, as well as their portions from Israel's offerings. And you know, for thousands of years now, Moses has been revered by our people, but he was hated and badly treated by his own generation. And you know how cavalierly we look back and we say, uh, Oh, that was so wrong. I never would have joined that mob. So, Are you sure? Later on, God sent us prophets, and they were likewise mistreated. Ultimately, God sent his son, the Messiah, and look how Israel treated him. The painful lesson of Parashat Korach is that when we spurn Adonai's choices, we spurn him. Israel paid a terrible price for their disdain of Moses. If the judgment on Korach Seems harsh. Remember, this was the generation that witnessed the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues upon Egypt, the pillar of fire by night and of cloud by day. So, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. The higher the stakes, the weightier the outcome. So if that was the case for the spurning of Moses, how much greater, how much severer will be the consequences of disdaining Messiah Yeshua? So finally, let me just say, consider the contrast between Korach, who sought to replace Moses, with that of Aaron and Hur, who uplifted him in his time of weakness and need. What is your attitude toward the spiritual leader or leaders that God has placed in your life? Beware of those who would undermine them. Like Korach, they are plotting rebellion, and if you don't back away from their tent, as it were, you'll suffer in the fallout. Perhaps the author of the letter to the Messianic Jews was thinking about all that grief that Moses had to endure when he wrote, Obey your leaders... And submit to them, submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. So may Adonai give each of us a heart of humility and of gratitude. Amen.